I have no desire to make money. I have no desire to get famous. We don't want to do everything that's been done before in a repackaged fancy way using fancy marketers. No, we have one go here. And that is to change everything you thought you knew about law enforcement leadership. Welcome to Courageous Leadership with Travis Yates, where leaders find the insights, advice, and encouragement they need to lead courageously. Welcome back to the Courageous Leadership Podcast. I'm so thankful you join us here today, and we've been going strong uh, for a few months now, and I'm very pleased with some of the feedback that we've been receiving. In fact, Probably the best compliment that I can imagine we just received this week from a listener. And the guy said, you know, I found your podcast and the reason that I like it so much is because it is different. Now, you're going to ask yourself, why is that a compliment? And this is really why. When I set out several years ago, uh, writing and speaking and now, of course, doing podcasts and other articles on leadership, it really wasn't something that. I was interested in doing. Uh, like many of you in law enforcement, you know when you hear the word police leadership or law enforcement leadership, whether that's a seminar and an article or whatever it is, you just roll your eyes. And really the reason is simple. We have watched from the audience for many years these so-called leadership classes or leadership gurus or, or trainings, and there's a lot of them out there. And we know that for the most part, I'm, there's some good ones, but for the most part, it's just bogus, right? It's a bunch of head knowledge. It's a bunch of repackaged leadership things that pretty much anyone with common sense knows. And we've been pounding the drum on this for many years. But we've watched the difference between the head knowledge and the application of that knowledge. And there's been very little application as a profession when it comes to leadership and all you have to do is seen what has occurred in the profession out there in recent years you see we got away with this for many many years and when when the when the uh temperature got turned up i would say probably post ferguson and people kind of coming out of the woodworks and attacking the profession, saying things like we're systematically racist and all these things we really weren't used to hearing. I mean, it's nothing new for law enforcement to be attacked, but what I think is new is, is sort of the collected effort of the attacks that really occurred, began several years ago. We weren't prepared for that. And I think we thought as a profession that like everything is kind of, you know, it comes and goes, and, and I've, I've heard that the pendulum's going to swing back. And I think we just kind of sat back on our hands and thought, well, this is going to be okay. People are going to, you know, stop this in a little bit. We'll be able to get back to police work. And that's simply, not only has it not happened, it's not going to happen. And really, I, I saw this from a front row seat. I'm in the profession. Uh, when I came into the profession 30 years ago, we saw the attacks, but they were sort of the individual attacks, and, and we, our leaders did a pretty decent job of when we were right, they defended us. When we were wrong, they held us accountable. But what happens when those individual attacks turn into collective group attacks, even as high up as the president of the United States? And then I saw the leaders run, from the, run to the hills, right? I saw no defense of just men and women doing their job. 
And I've even saw, as I've outlined in this podcast, of people doing their job and being disciplined, fired, prosecuted for literally doing their job, for literally following policy, for literally following the law, for following approved tactics. And, and when these collective groups sort of did this and they saw success, well, this just continued to happen. And it's been one revolution after another. Um, Many people can remember 20 years ago, we'd say, oh, you need more diversity in law enforcement. I, I tend to agree with that, but just like a kindergarten teacher, we don't always dictate exactly who wants to do his job. But I think our profession, for the most part, worked very hard because we understood the importance of diversity. Now, I've never bought into this insanity that unless a police officer looks like me, I don't trust them. I don't know if that impression is good enough. But anyway, that's just not only is it ridiculously and crazy it's probably racist too right if someone believes that but we bought into some of that stuff and and you saw departments around the country uh do that now i think we properly have got our agencies in recent years to where many of them do reflect the community we talked about the los angeles police department just a few weeks ago where their mayor is going to lower the standards because she needs more diversity even though the lapd has pretty much the exact diversity on their police department than in the city so we've seen these old arguments that have kind of been retreaded but then they moved to new arguments right where oh we need more community policing like that's a new concept right we've been doing this kind of stuff for many many years as you've heard me talk here uh we subscribe to Peel's principles, as well as our principles, where Peel said the police are the people and the people are the police. And that is really the heart of community policing. Your police department is only really as good as your community. So we should be constantly working on transparency and community relations with the caveat that you're never going to make everybody happy. But it seems like these small segments of society that aren't happy are very, very loud. And of course, social media comes out many years ago and those few people seem to be like a lot of people and our leaders just caved oftentimes i don't want to dismiss the good leaders because there are certainly some we'll be highlighting very soon here but many of them caved especially on the masses and then of course the demands continued right even though there hasn't been any supreme court cases uh, to make us change or to demand change there's just been demands right and any profession i would subscribe to you that caves to the whimsical demands of people that aren't in the profession that know very little about the profession is probably heading down a road of disaster that's exactly what our profession is of course facing and the most common one and i've written about this on my Substack. you can get all those resources at travisyates.org is this scam of community trust right public trust that one has been working very well because it it seems that They'll either say systematic racism or racial profiling or we need more community trust. And then the police departments just do whatever they're told. And we're going to we're going to do an extensive podcast on systematic racism a little later. It's a complete scam, uh, completely, not even close. But the trust thing is a scam. But it's been a more difficult scam to prove because it's a vague metric. Like, what do you mean trust? How are you measuring that? Is it the three people that show up at city council and scream and yell? Is it? What is it? Because if you look at Gallup, law enforcement is one of the most trusted institutions in the country. It has been for many, many years. And so my question has always been, and I wrote about this, is, well, what's enough? We're around 80% now. Would 90% suffice? 95? Well, the truth is none of it's going to suffice. And we're running around and chasing trust 
when we seemingly are ignoring our own mission, which is crime reduction. And so I, so I thought it would be prudent. And so I got into this leadership thing because of these problems. I didn't see anybody addressing it. And we thought, let's give people the resources in law enforcement leadership to really combat this and to get our profession back to where it needs to be, which is liberty, civility, and public safety. That's our sole mission. It's not complicated. And as an example, you saw in the 90s and 2000s when New York City went to that sole mission. They, they started with the broken windows theory. They started with, then they went to no tolerance. They started throwing criminals in jail. They started prosecuting people in crime in New York City. We thought it would never get there. Became one of the lowest in the nation. Pretty amazing. And then you've seen, I guess, that pendulum swing with what's going on in recent years. It's now one of the most dangerous in the country because they forgot their mission. And many, many cities have been doing this and have dealt with this. And as we're about four months into this podcast, I thought it would be prudent to just sort of remind everybody why we're here, why we exist, why we keep putting this content out. And that gentleman that said that he liked what we did because we were different, I think this is what he's meaning, and this is why I did it. There's really no one out there that's addressing these core issues. And if you're teaching leadership or writing about leadership and you're not addressing these cultural, societal issues today, what are you actually doing? Do we really need another article telling us to treat people the right way and to mentor people and all this other stuff? Of course, we know all this, but how does that all apply to our jobs? How does that make your community safer? Does it, how does that make your, your departments a great department? And that's really what we're trying to do. And if I was to reflect back on, I think this is our 21st episode, is we have really two core missions in this podcast and in a sense really on our website at travishh.org, which you'll get our substack and everything else from there. One of them surprised me. The first one I knew we were going to do, it was going to be to provide resources to law enforcement leaders. We call that courageous police leadership. But in another sense, it's just let's provide you real applicable resources where you can take those immediately and help you, right? And that's why I'm really proud of our seminar. Uh, we have an advanced seminar that's been scheduled for the fall. It's our two-day seminar, but we have a, uh, several basic seminars around the country. It's our eight-hour class coming up that if you're interested in those, just reach out to us at TravisYates.org will give you those details. But that's why I'm really proud about the seminar because people routinely tell us, man, this is completely different than what I thought. You know, and I tell people in the seminar, if you go to work the very next shift from this class and you have not learned anything that doesn't immediately help you, I want to know about it. I want to know about it immediately. It means I failed you. To this day, I'll knock on the desk here. To this day, no one has ever done that. So I have to assume that we've given them something in that class to help them be better at what they do. And that's really our goal. And uh, our goal isn't to make people feel good. It's not, it's not to make money or to have a business or to sell stuff or to run around the country and teach all these classes. No, our goal is to literally make the profession better and to make leaders better, to make communities better. Now, that's not popular. I don't, think, I don't think anything popular oftentimes changes the compass, so to speak. Uh, we can certainly do that. I believe that uh, we have developed enough skills uh, throughout the years to teach a class to become very popular, right? We could, we could hire the marketing geniuses out there to make it very popular. But 
my goal in the in the few years the good Lord has given me to stay on this earth is is to try to do something that matters, and I am believe fully that that is what we're talking about here at Courageous Police Leadership. So that first goal is what we intended to do almost ten years ago when we launched this was to give resources to leaders to help them. We've come out with a book. We've got another book coming out later this year. We've got our Courageous Police Leadership Alliance at cplalliance.org. We've got our principles on there. You can download those posters. You can hang those up. And we're coming out with more and more stuff all the time. We're working on a workbook. We're working on online training. It's all coming. And so that's really our main mission. But there's been a secondary mission that I think surprised me as we've been moving, uh, moving down uh, the years of this course, and that is to wake up the community to what is happening around them. You see, I think most people in communities, they're seeing the crime rise, they're seeing the chaos, they're seeing what the media is doing, uh, they're seeing the struggles in law enforcement, whether it's recruitment or retention. I think most people, they're probably confused of why it's happening. And I get that. Most people don't have time to dive into these issues that we dive into here. Uh, they're working. They're raising their families. They're just, they just want peace. And they just want, you know, they don't want to be able to walk the streets and not be victimized by crime. So I think there's probably a lot of confusion of why this is happening. And nobody ever hears it's happening because of police leadership. Right. We always say, oh, it's the politicians, it's the Nobel laws, it's the judges, it's the activists, whatever it is. Or, or maybe some people even say it's the police officers. But nobody's ever pointing the finger at the leaders inside police departments that make all of this work, where their only job, their only mission is to give their community a safer environment to live, work and play. And we're doing that and we're not going to stop. And we'll start naming names and really getting very serious about this in the coming months. And that's why, you know, I can count on my two hands how many chiefs have been in our seminars. Uh, I can count on my hands and my feet how many, have, how many people have walked out of our seminars, you know, at the command rank. People don't like to hear this. We want to feel good. We want to get all the warm, fuzzy stuff. But we're not going to fix anything, folks. If we don't do that. And so we've had a lot of requests from businesses, from civic groups. We've even done presentations inside of churches where the community wants to know why this stuff is happening. And quite frankly, they're usually shocked when I line all this out. And and the reason I put the accountability on leaders is simple. We can't control politicians. We can't control activists. We can't control judges. You can't really control anything other than what's inside our own doors. And so that's why it comes down to leadership. I don't care how bad your mayor is, how, how, how many activist groups are picketing in front of your office, uh, what the media says to you. A, the head of a police organization gets to run that organization. They get to make sure that they stay on mission, they stay focused. Now, does that lend to a long, fruitful career if you're working for a complete idiot? Maybe not. But right is right, folks, and wrong is wrong. And we've even gone so far as we've called out police organizations that are near and dear to my heart. The ICP, the FOP, amongst others, National Tactical Officers Association. These are all organizations that I have done classes for, that I have worked around. 
And when they make decisions that hurt our profession, and you can check out some of our articles and podcasts on the vascular neck restraint and what they did that is emboldening the Department of Justice to attack police, police departments. So we're not, we're not, we're not being, doing that to be mean, folks. We're doing that because that's what has to be done for change to occur. That's what has to be done for law enforcement to actually be law enforcement. You cannot take tools away from police officers. You cannot make the job impossible and expect anyone to do this job more or less effective at this job. So those are what I believe is really our mission moving forward. If you're joining us in 2023, I would say you're in the uh, young childhood phase of what we're trying to do. Uh, you know, almost you know, several years ago when we started, we were infants, right? But I think as we've progressed forward, we're doing a lot more than what uh, we were doing then. But there's so much more on the plate. I'm staring at a whiteboard in my office right now with a bunch of stuff on it we're working on. Uh, we're working with Dr. Jay Shea, who is just an incredible communicator and educator that is really behind the scenes, putting a lot of this stuff together for us. Uh, I'm still on the job. I'm 30 years in at a command level, and uh, I'm, I, I want to stay on the job because my heart is breaking that if I left the job, then this job's worse off than when I came. We're the first generation of law enforcement folks that when we leave it, it's going to be worse if we don't change it. And so I'm here for a few more years, hopefully, to try to do just that. And there's a lot of work ahead of us. So what can you do right now uh, to help spread this message? Because if you're, if you're still listening to me, you no doubt believe what I'm saying. Because trust me, we seem to trigger a lot of weak, weak people out there. And I think the first thing to do is just to spread the message, spread the podcast, spread the Substack, spread the Alliance, spread everything. Once again, you can go to TravisYates.org and see all those different links. We're also bringing all of this together on the Courageous Police Leadership Alliance. That is CPLAlliance.org. And that was a goal of mine for one reason and one reason only. We had a lot of people through the years that would hear our, hear our classes, they'd read our articles, and they'd say, man, I'm, I'm all in. What can I do? And, of course, I could, you know, hey, try this or try that. But I thought it's really important that if you believe in what we're doing, that we're all collectively in one place. Iron sharpens iron, so to speak. And so the alliance is really still at the infancy stage. We're actually building that website. To I mean, the website's up, but we are – actively building it as the weeks go on but we envision that website to house all of our resources all of our trainings um, a place that we can communicate with each other all that's coming but to be informed about that go to the website now cplalliance.org and let me slow down for my non-southern friends here c p l alliance.org and if you can't spell alliance well I'm sorry, I can't help you there. I can't spell it half the time either. But in fact, if you just type in courageous police leadership on any search engine, it's going to come up right there on the front page. Because shocker, no one else is talking about courageous police leadership. So, so that's what we're trying to do is to get more people to talk about it. And that alliance is a place that when you agree with what we're doing, and more importantly, what if you want to make a change. Folks, it doesn't do us any good if you agree with us, but then you 
don't want to get involved in it, right? It's We're beyond trying to just blame others. It's time to get involved. I don't care where you work, who you are. Everybody can play a role, even if it's just sending out the links on your social media or sending out the articles and talking about it, uh, trying to get to a class or bring a class in. Whatever it is, there's something that everybody can do. And I told this story earlier on the podcast, but uh, we were in Sholo, Arizona, and the chief was there. And I said, Chief, why, I mean, why are you putting all your officers through this? It's kind of unique to do. He put every single officer, civilian, dispatcher, you name it, through our program. And he says, you know, I can't really – um, I can't really fix what's going on in the state of Arizona. You know, it's big groups of people, big departments, but, but it, I said it has to start somewhere, Travis. And I believe, I thought maybe it should just start with me and start with our department. And so he did what was in his control. And, and I have a feeling it is going to start there because there were officers there from other parts of the state as well. And so that's what we're trying to do. Uh, but when you go to the Alliance website, I want you to p pay particular attention to what we rolled out several weeks ago, and that is the principles of courageous police leadership. Now, I'm going to roll out some video and audio training on this specifically. Of course, if you come to our, our seminars, we, we go into detail on this. But here's what I think the beauty of the principles are. First off, the principles are a higher level than just Travis telling you. Uh, myself and Dr. Shea has spent years researching when things go right, what did the leaders do? When things go wrong, what did the leaders do? And we have come down with these seven principles, tested, true, legitimate, that when you do this, things go right. Now, doing it is much more difficult than hanging a poster up, right? It's much more difficult than just saying you believe in it. But, but we're going to give you a lot of case studies in future months showing you this. And, and I think when you see them, you don't even really need me to explain them. They're, we did that on purpose. We want them to be simplified for you to do that. Uh, I launched a program many years ago called Below 100. Some of you may have heard of it. I'm pretty proud of it. It's in a lot of states in their mandatory basic academies. But looking back on the success of Below 100, I didn't know it at the time, but I think part of that success was the simplicity of those five things that you do with below 100. You know, wear your belt, slow down, watch your speed, all those five things that many of you may be familiar with. And, and so I wanted to stick with that here in these principles because I think simplicity makes it much easier to operate within. Some of you work in your policy manuals where you see some of these policies where you're like, what in the world is this, right? So we certainly wanted to make something simple. Once again, uh, it's not the business model most people use. Most people want to make something so complicated, you've got to bring a consultant in to help you with it, right? That's not what we're trying to do here. Uh, so when you look at those principles, and I'm not going to tell them to you. I want you to go check it out at cplalliance.org. You can download posters. Uh, in fact, we're working on a storefront now where you can buy all this stuff. You can buy large posters, frame posters. We want to encourage you to do that. And when you do that, we want you to send pictures to us. I'm getting pictures almost daily of people that have downloaded the poster, and they're hanging them up in squad rooms and their office. And that's what we're trying to do because as we look at this and we live this daily, that's how the profession changes for the better. It's one courageous leader at a time. Thanks for listening. And just remember, lead on and stay courageous. Thank you for listening to Courageous Leadership with Travis Yates. 
We invite you to join other courageous leaders at TravisYates.org.